Welcome back to That's a Good Word, a podcast designed to assist and equip Christians through advice from people in ministry. If you are blessed by our content, we would appreciate if you liked and subscribed to our YouTube channel and follow us on our social medias as well. It is an honor today to have on Dr. Brian Spearman from Marietta First Baptist Church. Brian is very involved in local in local ministry here. He is involved in North Greenville on the on board. Um, he also has been in many different ministry roles at RA Camp, youth pastor, pastor now at Marietta. So, Brian, we really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much, man. I'm super excited about it. Yes, sir. So, Brian, we'll go ahead and get started. Just tell me your testimony and your story of, of ministry right now. All right. Well, uh, it is definitely different than most people. I uh, grew up in a pastor's home. Uh, my dad was a pastor before I came into this world and uh, actually was born in Fort Worth in Dallas, Texas. Uh, dad was in his first church at Chico Baptist, and we came to back to the upstate where both my parents are from. And, uh, and so he came to Double Springs Baptist Church, which is just right on 290 down the road from North Greenville. And that's where I spent the majority of my early childhood years. And that's where I actually came to Christ. I was seven years old. Uh, I remember uh, being at home with my parents. I remember the need to know Jesus. Uh, I knew that my parents couldn't save me. And so we, I asked the Lord into my life. I surrendered my life at the age of seven. And uh, I remember going to church that night, and I remember being so excited that at the end, at, at, at the time when we were going to have our commitment time, being able to go up and, uh, and, and tell the church about my decision. I had no idea that one of my classmates from school at Mountain View uh, had asked Christ into her life the same day. And so I go up, and there she is. She's right behind me. And uh, we got baptized together. But I remember the, the probably the most exciting thing was, uh, you know, at the age of seven, I was in first grade. I was at Mountain View. And I remember running to tell. I've told, I've told this to about anybody I know. I, my, my first grade teacher was amazing. Her name was Miss Webb. And I was so excited. I went in that first day. I'm like, Miss Webb, Miss Webb, I, got, I became a Christian last night. And she's like, oh, that's great. I said, I'd love for you to come to my baptism. Of course, back then there was not a cell phone or anything else. And so I had immediately called my grandparents and on both sides and all of that good stuff to tell them about my decision. And uh, it was exciting. You know, it was exciting. And uh, being in a pastor's home, I mean, we were only in a couple of churches. Uh, my dad was at uh, Double Springs till I was in the fifth grade. We actually moved in the middle of my fifth grade year. And it was crazy because we moved to Dacusville and we moved to Crossroads Baptist where I basically was all the way until I was 23. The funny part about it was when we moved, I did I, I didn't know anybody, and so it kind of it kind of worked out because when I got to the church at Crossroads, I went to Dacusville Elementary School. So uh, we didn't get to go for fourteen days. It snowed so much that we did not get to go to school for two weeks. So my first day at the school was after about a two weeks of of complete snow. It was, it was amazing, uh, but it was crazy because I walk in and there was one guy that I had literally been at Camp McCall with that summer. I went by myself that year, and I was like, Stephen, and he's like, Brian, and that's how we hit it off. So it, it was really cool in that aspect. But in, in, as far as 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 the trajectory, um, you know, I was always involved with Royal Ambassadors. My mom was my RA teacher uh, all the way from first grade to about third grade. They didn't have any men in the church that uh, would help except for one. And so he actually became my RA teacher. And so I uh, learned about missions from a very early age. And so when we moved uh, to Crossroads, I was still in it. 
we actually had a group back then called Challengers, which was for high school boys. And uh, I was in Challengers. I actually uh, worked with a lot of the guys in the state. And, and so my senior year, I, uh, there were two things that I did not want to do. Uh, at the age of 12 at Camp McCall, I do not remember who was preaching, but I do remember where I sat, and I do remember a strong call that the Lord called me to, to ministry. Um, I wish I could say that I immediately decided to be a preacher. That's not the way it worked. Uh, but the way the Lord worked is basically uh, my my senior year, I uh, decided that I wanted to uh, work on golf courses because they made lots of money and I wanted to design them. But then I found out that I didn't really like grass or right. cutting grass <laughs> or anything of the sort. And I realized that I wasn't even really good at golf. So I did not want to teach school because my mother was an elementary school teacher, and I did not want to work in a church for money. Uh, but the Lord had other plans, and I went to Gardner-Webb for a year and a half, and uh, I, it, 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 all of these things kind of go hand in hand with where I am now. And so I remember being a sophomore. I remember being in a position, in an RA position over a, over a building as a freshman, and I remember coming home, and I remember I remember laying in my bed at at, at Gardner Webb, and I had a room by myself, and I was miserable. I had not really gotten connected with the church. I'd gone to a couple of churches, but I always came back home to where my dad had pastored. And uh, I I said, you know what, Lord, if you want me to transfer, I will transfer. But my parents had really struggled to get me through those that year and a half, and so I, I was really kind of nervous to talk to them. But I can remember that night I just couldn't sleep. And uh, I had complete peace. And so I went home that weekend, and my mom and I were riding around. And I said, Mom, I think, uh, I think I'm, I I'm going to transfer. She said, Brian, you have no idea. Like your dad and I have been praying that God would move you so that we could afford it. Wow. Yeah. So pretty cool stuff. And so I moved. Um, moved to North Greenville. Transferred. That's the only two schools I applied to. Didn't want to go to North Greenville at first because there was nobody there, and I didn't want to be that close to home. Uh, ended up commuting. And the one thing I wanted to do, and I came and talked to my dad. I'm like, Dad, look, the RA program is struggling. And, like, that's what I remember. And so at 21, uh, as a sophomore in college at North Greenville, I had switched my major completely to elementary ed. I was working at Camp McCall. I had worked there my freshman year, my sophomore year. I just knew that I loved working with children. And so I transferred my major completely and did elementary ed, and I started working with the RAs at the church. And literally through that, working at Camp McCall and being in classes where I really was passionate about what I was doing, um, I never looked back. I worked about 30 hours a week at a local pizza place down the street and graduated and started teaching school, taught elementary school, third grade for three years, fifth grade for six years. But the biggest thing was, is that's when God called me to do part-time ministry. And so I was at a church in uh, Eastley at Glenwood Baptist, and I, that was their first youth pastor and children's pastor that they had ever had. They had never had a paid position for that, and that is where I met my bride. And we've been married almost 20 years uh, in August, Lord willing, and uh, got three boys. And so that's kind of how it all transitions. Like I was, I was doing part-time ministry and all that stuff, and I just knew that God had called me when I was 12. And so uh, I was doing full-time teaching. I was coaching soccer at Pickens High School. And then I was, I was working at the church part-time. 
And uh, honestly, it's crazy because all of that, it's just crazy to see how God works. Right. Uh, Because to be honest with you, I had kind of gotten burned out. I wasn't burned out with ministry. I was at the point where I was like, okay, God, like I, I really think about church more than I think about school. And that's not good because I knew that I had felt called to teach and I do not regret it in any way, shape or form. Uh, I feel like between it and Camp McCall and school and working in church, um, that that's what God had for me. And so crazy story. I basically uh, went to the pastor who I had been working with for a while. And I said, hey, uh, Angela and I, I feel, I feel like, like God's called me to go and speak on missions. I, at that point, did not even know about anybody looking for anybody full time. I literally was thinking about working with pastors that I had worked with for about 10 years, maybe at Camp McCall or just through RAs or whatever. And so I sent out a letter and it was called, it was Ignite Missions. And my wife helped me type it up. And I wasn't looking for any money. I just wanted to, I was passionate about missions. I was passionate about students. And so we sent it out to 33 churches. And so uh, I remember who I sent it to. Uh, I had that little list. And here's how, here's, here's how God works in miraculous ways. You, uh, you said I'm at Marietta First Baptist. So that would have been in 2009. So basically what happened was I, at school, had my wife print her thing out at the church, and, and so I was putting it all together on my break. And I remember looking, and I remember Benny from Camp McCall, and I worked with his mama, Miss Cleon, up at Camp McCall. And I had no idea if he was still at Marietta. I just knew, I knew he had been here because he had spoke at camp. So I looked on the website, which they actually had for, at back then was the North Greenville Baptist Association, before it was the Three Rivers Baptist Association. And uh, what ended up happening was I looked and found Marietta First Baptist and found Benny's name, had no idea they were looking for a soul. Hmm. Uh, his was the last one I addressed. I prayed over the letters. I put them in the, in the mailbox. And uh, I, two days later, I get a phone call at school on my, on my cell phone. And I was like, I didn't know the number. And Benny's like, hey, Biscuit, this is Benny. Listen, I don't want to talk to you about speaking on no missions. I want to see if you're interested in a job. So anyway, <laughs> I called him back, and I was like, well, you know, I really did not think about leaving school at that point. And I really, he said, are you looking at getting out of youth work? And I'm like, no, not really. I said, I just, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I just know I'm supposed to do something for the Lord. And he told me a little bit about Marietta, and, and the rest is history. I came to Marietta in 2009, uh, left teaching after nine years, and uh, took a, a little pay cut, but that was okay, and I've never looked back. And so, you know, the Lord over and over and over and over and over again has been faithful to me when I do not deserve it. Right, right. That's awesome. I mean, kind of unpacking uh, that story, um, you see God working in different ways, Talk a, and, and we could do a whole podcast just on this. I mean, because I know there's a lot on it, but talk a little bit about that experience of being a pastor's son okay. and then going into ministry yourself. I mean, you see the good, the bad, and the ugly as a pastor's son, and then going into it yourself. Talk a little bit about that. A hundred percent experience. Um, so my dad, like I said, he actually felt called to ministry when he was RAH, and so he uh, he he has tons of stories. But basically, he went to Monaghan Baptist in uh, in Greenville, and uh, that's where he grew up. And my grandpa worked at the mill at Monaghan Mill, and so he he was telling me different stories. and And it's really cool because my dad and I have grown uh, more closer 
over probably the last 20 years because of just, I looked at him for just about anything. And so dad was always faithful. So, you know, he, he started in, in, in Texas. Uh, it's crazy. I could go on and on and on about, you know, people, people talk about preacher's kids and they say, well, you know, they're either really good or they're really, you know, they're struggling. And I can say I've been both right. <laughs> over and over and over and over <laughs> and over again. And, um, you know, growing up in, in a church, dad never really chose to pastor larger churches. He always stayed at, at median size to, to, to smaller churches. And so most of the churches we were in ran anywhere from 100 to 170. And I loved it. Like, I, I, Marietta is a big church for me. Like, I have always been in median size to smaller churches. And so that's why, you know, I, I would see dad. And back then, ministry was so different. And, and I think in some, in some ways, because back in the, back in the eighties, when I was younger, you know, we didn't have youth ministers. We didn't have anything like that. It was dad and, and an amazing secretary lady. And we had people who volunteered. And so I can remember as a kid. Okay. I mean, we're talking third, fourth and fifth grade. I can remember back then pizza hut was the place to go, man. Like the youth <laughs> kids all went to pizza hut and they played video games. So most of the music that I listened to was from the eighties because I was always around youth kids or dad would drive the bus or, you know, and so I, I was constantly at church, uh, even when I didn't want to be, but it was beautiful because even in those hard things, you know, um, when we moved, even in the middle of fifth grade, I, I struggled. Like, I was like, I don't want to do this. And I didn't necessarily have any personal closeness to one person. I just was like, this is all I know. And so when we moved, you know, and, and you see, it, it was just, it, it was amazing because God did some amazing things. And I, and I, and I, this is kind of what I would say as, as a pastor's kid. I think that a lot of times, uh, People say, well, you know, you, you, the one thing that you and I can see is we can see the beautiful and then we can see the harshness. And I, I'll be honest with you, there, there has been some times when it was really harsh. Um, but I would say this to anybody, like, as I, the older I get, at 46 years old, and I have three kids of my own who, uh, you know, my wife married a teacher who ended up being a youth minister, who ended up being a youth minister and children's worker that ended up being a preacher. Um, I would say this to any preacher's kid. I would say this to any person. Uh, With all that you see, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the good far outweighs the bad. Hmm. Hmm. The good far. Right. Right, for sure. And... You know, what you see is even in those hard times, you can still see evidence of God working. And then there's evidence of, wait, that hard time, 100%. God was there and now 100%. The good times come, come A hundred percent. And, you know, when I, when I go back and I think through things, uh, it, it was one of those things where when you would see the harshness, it might be 10 years down the road before you, it even makes sense. Oh, yeah. Like okay. it, it, could be, it could be 15 years down the road. Before it ever makes sense. And, and so you see yourself, you know, especially as, you know, a pastor's kid, but then you see, okay, like I saw how my dad reacted or I saw him, you know, he'd be the one that would go and put the chairs out. You know, he would be the one that would be there early. He'd be the one that was there late. 
You know, and, and we had hard conversations sometimes because I didn't understand certain things. You know, especially like in high school when you're at when you're at, when you're at a church that small and 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 you, and you got that that's your family. Right. I mean, that's your that's your family. You know, I was with my own family. I have a brother and a sister and a mom and a dad, and we all grew up in a parsonage across the road from the church. But but the church was my family, and so when you when you see harsh times, you know, it's like okay, so so I don't understand this. But I really believe had we not faced some harsh times, I think we would have continued to be comfortable. And I don't think God would have actually moved us to different places. Mm. I don't know that I would be doing what I'm doing today had God not literally said, hey, here's what I want from you. And um, and that's what I tell my kids every day. I mean, my three boys, uh, you know, that I, I know what it's like, you know. And so it, it, I will say this, as you're raising your own kids, if you come from a preacher's home, you know, you 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 understand the glass house thing, but at the same time, I have tried to just be honest that my kids aren't perfect, and I'm not either. Yeah, yeah, nah, you're 100 percent right. And I love what you said about you know God working in those difficult times. I mean, I hear a lot. You hear a lot of times people say, "Oh, I'm going through a difficult time right now. The devil's after me." Well, wait, hold on. Maybe what's going on is that God is 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 using this moment of suffering. Are using this trial mm-hmm. for your benefit, and so so we see that, and we see that in the Book of Job. We see that sometimes God is actually in control of your hardship mm-hmm. to strengthen you, to hundred percent, grow you closer to the image of Christ. Hundred percent. Probably one of the hardest things I think. You know, I I, I think back, and, and it's, it's kind of it's not. There's nothing funny about the story, but I had just graduated from North Greenville. I had already gotten a job at the Croswell Elementary where I taught. And, uh, and I had gone and moved in with my grandma to help with my grandpa. And so I was getting ready to go up to Camp McCall. I literally had a month in between graduation and going to work for the summer in 2000. And uh, we had been at the church for, for quite some time at Crossroads. And I, I remember um, staying with my grandma, and I can remember her coming and beating on the door. And she, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. She's like, Brian, get up. I'm like, what's, what's going on? You know, and uh, we did have cell phones back then, but I mean, they were, you know, it, they they weren't what we have now. And she says, "Hey, your dad's just called." She he said he was ac- actually at Ridgecrest at a conference, and uh, and he said the church is on fire. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I I got up, I drove really fast, um, and, and it was on a it was on a Tuesday night, and the reason I know it was on a Tuesday night is because we always had RAs on Wednesday night, and mm-hmm. I was the I was the leader. Mm-hmm. And so I remember driving really fast from Pelzer to Dakesville. And I remember getting there in enough time to see, thank God, that the way the building, it was an old building, Crossroads, 225 years this past week, they celebrated. Wow. And so we had two side buildings. We had a gym, which most people didn't have gyms. And then we had just like six months prior, had just raised enough money to build a children's building on the side. And... Three or four fire departments came together and put out the fire. And so the main building, the sanctuary and educational space, gone. I mean, it was gone. And you had those two structures that they were able to save. And I remember the crazy thing was, is you pull up and you're like, our church is on fire. Hmm. You know? It was hard. Right. right. That Wednesday we had church. Wow. And the news came out, found out that they burnt, somebody burned the church down. Yeah. And they did it in the RA room. We had just gotten the basement done. 
for the kids. Um, had 30 boys all the way through like 12th grade. And so we had had it, I had it set up like centers. I was an elementary education major, fixing to teach school. I mean, we had, it, it was one of the coolest like spots ever. Whoever it was decided to throw a pipe bomb in there. We found out years later, and, and, and nobody ever found out who did it. I, I, I have suspicion, but it doesn't really matter. That's bygones of bygones. Right. Um, but we had church on that Wednesday night, and I remember that. Yeah. So the, it's not funny, but when I came to Marietta, the first week on the job, I wanted to take our students to the North American Mission Board to tour it in Alpharetta and go to the Braves game. And I remember buying tickets, and there were 30 of us, and, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you'd say, you'd say the church fire. We, we, we had some, some tough times after that. Uh, uh, just harsh, just hard times. And so when I had gone to work at Glenwood, crazy thing, I had just come to Marietta. I was super excited. I mean, I had left teaching. And so we had buses back then and we have buses now, but we have new buses now. We didn't have new buses then. And so there were 30 of us going to the Braves game. I will never forget this as long as I live because it's really crazy. Um, so we, we go to the North American mission board, all the students, there's 30 of us. We got a senior adult driving the bus. I couldn't drive the bus at that point. Super awesome guy decided he would drive us. We carried a van, an extra van with us. So we had time to stop before we went to the Braves game at the Lenox mall in Atlanta. And, uh, I'm in the mall and I I told him, I said, look, y'all can't even afford a cookie in here. So we're just going to go in for a minute and then we're going to come out, park the bus far away from the Lexus and the Mercedes Benz. Let's park it out. (laughs) And you know, this was during a week, you know, summertime. (laughs) So I get a, get a text from one of the kids that's a senior that year. He's like, Hey Brian, you need to come outside the bus on fire. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Bus ain't on fire. Then I get a call from one of the deacons who I love to death. And he's like, Hey Brian, the bus is on fire. So I sprint out of the mall. The bus burned almost to the ground. All that was left was the outer shell. And uh, so my first question is, is everybody okay? Right. Crazy story. The bus driver had literally gone to the restroom, came back out, and he said he saw flames shoot from the back of the bus. Nobody was on the bus. So you can see all the students and a couple of adults that we had. And uh, basically, there was a, we had driven in a, with a brand new engine, $10,000 engine in this older bus. There was some cap that wasn't fixed right. The friction had caused so much heat as we drove to Alpharetta, already had a lunch, drove to the mall, and basically it sparked and it shot flames out of the back of the bus. Wow. Bus burned to the ground. Wow. So I hoped I still had a job, and I called my wife, and I said, uh, you think they'll let me come back teach? Because uh, we just burned the bus down. <laughs> so long story short, I called Benny, who was preaching at that time, Benny Durham, and I said, uh, Benny, I got a problem. He said, what's your problem? I said, the bus burned in the parking lot. And he goes, huh? Bus burned in the parking lot. Long story short. So I had the tickets on my back. We had enough technology where we could print them off back then, still. And uh, they said, what are we going to do? I said, we're going to the Braves game. So we never had a church credit card in my life until this day. 30 MARTA tickets, got on the MARTA, went to eat at the varsity, went to the game, another bus picked us up. We left the bus in the parking lot and they came and got it. Wow. So 
when you see God protect your whole church family from the church burning to the ground, it's a bus. So it really transformed in the ministry that I saw, even from those types of days. Yeah. I mean, that would have been 2009 from 2009 years difference. Wow, that's incredible, man. One thing I'm curious about to ask mm-hmm. you is you were in elementary education, mm-hmm. and, and you saw a little bit of you know how things were back then, curriculum-wise, culture-wise, mm-hmm. and now what kids have to face now. Mm-hmm. Talk about some of those different – I mean, is, is, is it different? Is it a little bit more – um, what kids, especially maybe in middle school and high school, are facing today more difficult than what they they faced back then? That's a good question. Uh, it's it's kind of interesting because I taught from 2000 to 2009. Uh, I was in third grade and fifth grade. A lot of the kids that I had in third grade, I ended up having in fifth grade because I had trans- transitioned into fifth grade. Um, and it's crazy because in you know in 2001 we we kind of had that thing with right. 9/11. Right. Uh, I can remember strategically, I, w- I will say this. So one thing that I would give anybody encouragement with is that if you're a Christian and you're in a school, then that is a mission field. Hmm. And so our the church that I served at, a large portion of my youth kids and a large portion of my children came from that school because they're like, I mean, I, I went in as a Christian. I wasn't even working at the church, but my kids knew. They're like, hey, you know, Mr. Spearman's a Christian. They, I didn't have to tell them that. I mean, I would get there early and pray for them before they came in the door. I was an early kind of guy. Like, I would get there early and I would leave. You know, I wouldn't stand around and talk and all that stuff. I just got my job done and went home. Um, but a lot of times, you know, it was crazy because when you say curriculum-wise, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think that uh, there's so many benefits to social media and there's so many benefits to the Internet and there's so many benefits and stuff like that. But at the same time, I don't really think that it's really changed all that much because – by the time I quit teaching, most children had a phone in fifth grade. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of the bands that students listen to now is what they listen to. It's 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 insane. Uh, you know, but going back to, to like September eleventh, just to give you an idea of how things have changed. Now, the beauty was is we had Promethean boards in the classroom when they first came out in Pickens County, uh, which I loved because I could take a kid on a virtual field trip. And I could take them to Japan and I could show, or when we're studying World War II, for example, I could literally take them and show them uh, the insides of a concentration camp when I'm in the fifth grade teaching U.S. history. Yeah. Uh, that aspect, I, I see, um, it, it's really not much different. Now, I mean, obviously, you know, in the school that my boys attend, you know, they all had Chromebooks or they had uh, iPads. You know, but we had a lot of that kind of stuff. But I think over time, like I think back to when I was in school, the biggest difference I would say is that just, and not even really the curriculum. I mean, the curriculum's the curriculum. I mean, you're going to teach multiplication. You're going to teach stuff, especially in the elementary school. Now, when you get to middle school, it's kind of funny because I always swore that I would never teach middle school. I'm telling you, like that was not. But when I became a youth minister in 2003, and I would even say today that if – God called me back into education, which I don't think he's going to. I teach middle school because I really feel like that's why I really liked fifth grade because fifth grade was that kind of developing year before they went into that middle school. Mm-hmm. I tried to, us and the teachers I worked with, I loved them. God, we got along so great. But even now, I think that a lot of times the media has really done a disservice because there are, yeah, there's lots of things. I mean, but 
in the arena, we have got to teach children how to be in the arena with a Christian worldview. Hmm. And they've got to see that coming from the adults. Hmm. I mean, I, I really genuinely believe that because you you can only stay in a bubble for so long because eventually, guess what? The world is there. Right. The world's there. You know, I think that um, middle school and high school, for example, I mean, I've got two boys in high school. You know, I've got one in middle school in sixth grade right now. And um, I think a large portion of it has to come from home. But it also has to come with the people in which you surround yourself with. And so, you know, it, it has changed in a lot of ways. But in a lot of ways, it's just different devices that lead to different things. Yeah. And I guess with, you know, in the, in the youth pastor role, you see maybe the impact of that technology in the negative mm-hmm. sense. Because a mm-hmm. lot of kids... Maybe they feel that, especially if they're on social media, mm-hmm. that they feel they have to, um, you know, look a certain way. They're not living up to these certain standards. Sometimes there's some harshness that goes on, mm-hmm. um, and that, and, that, and that's the real world too for adults. But mm-hmm. it's, it's for everybody. Mm-hmm. But it seems that the, the impact of that can can be can be rough, especially oh, for young people. Hundred percent. And and you know that was the thing. Like when I when I quit coaching soccer at the high school level, and, and really it had already hit though. I mean that was when. You had just started to get to the point, you know, where you could send a picture to somebody. This was way before. I mean, Facebook, I I think I went on Facebook in 2009. And the only reason I ever went on Facebook is I was actually writing for Royal Ambassadors. And one of the people that I was working with is like, Brian, you need a Facebook account. I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. The only reason I have ever kept a Facebook account is for several reasons. Um, Number one, I think it's an outreach tool. I'm not going to argue with anybody on Facebook. I refuse. And I'll talk to them on the inbox, but I'm not going to argue about it. But as I was in youth ministry, I mean, you went and I could, I could find apps that some of the students didn't even know about. They're like, what do you mean, Twitch? What, what, you know? <laughs> and I was like, y'all hadn't started that yet? You know, I'm like, I just read about it the other day. And I think education for the, the adults and the educators is equally as important mm. for parents. Mm. Like, you know, you, you, you're you giving them a phone. My boys didn't. I mean, people thought I was crazy. My oldest boy did not get a phone, too, in ninth grade. He was, the I think, the only kid in the entire school that did not have a phone. And then my next one, we gave it to him in eighth because the world has just changed so drastically. And so now my sixth grader has one. But he's got the most basic phone on the planet. I can look at anything I want to, and I will look at anything I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that a lot of times, you know, uh, a lot of what's going on in our world today, it, I, I explained it this this way to, to several different people. You know, I used to have to go look at a book to find an answer. All right. Or I had to go and actually figure where the book was. Yeah. You know, when I got to college, that is basically when we we started with emails and we started with, oh, shoot, we had MySpace. That was the craziest thing ever. It's like a Facebook, you know, that everybody was on first. And, you know, so I I was introduced to that about the time I graduated. And so I saw that evolve. But here's here's the thing that I I think for me uh, in education as a whole, the problem is, is because there's so many outlets, it is like taking a softball and trying to get it through a gardener hose. Hmm. In other words, when I look back and I think about September 11th, I remember what it was like to be a teacher in the third grade. And we were, I was in a portable. So when they came out and said, Hey Brian, on your break, you need to, I saw the second plane hit 
And I, I, I watched all those years, and it was crazy because that was something that shook our nation, but it shook the world. And it's crazy because by the time I quit teaching, I had to bring it up on September 11th. Mm. There's so much information. I mean, it's like you you can, right now, I could download any group that has a 1,000 listeners, right? And I can find them on my Spotify. There was no such thing back then. So I think that that a lot of times it, it's overwhelming because there is so much out there that you're trying to fit it through to see what God has for you. And it's just like, it's a whole new world. Yeah. And I'll give a little plug, you know, I mean, um, from North Greenville here, because, you know, North Greenville being a liberal arts education, a lot of people say, well, why do you need to go get education now? Because you can just find anything on Google. Mm. Well, point, part of the point of the liberal arts education, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, the, the administration and the uh, faculty lets us know about this, and they're 100% of the money. Part of going for a liberal arts education is learning how to think and mm. learning how to do critical thinking mm-hmm. and study from a Christian worldview for, with a world that's going to be hostile to the gospel. That's part of what makes North Greenville special because it's not just teaching you how to learn facts and repeat it on a piece of paper. The point of liberal arts education is to teach you how to think, think in a critical way and um, think from a Christian worldview. So I think that that's, that's so important as well. And I, and I love that you brought that up because, you know, uh, we're, I obviously like North Greenville. I went there three times, so I kind of like it. You know, I got my, my bachelor's there and, uh, and got my master's there, and it was in totally different things. I mean, my master's was in Christian ministry, and and I say that to say this: like I, I have a lot of ties with the football team, been working with them, but all just students in general, faculty in general. And so I think this isn't just for North Greenville; this is for anywhere. I think that we are asking students the wrong questions. Mm. I think that we we in American culture say, okay, all right. If you're not called to go to college, what are you called to do? And if you are called to go to college, what are you expecting to major in? I mean, what 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 do you think you want to do? Well, for an 18-year-old, I remember what I was in 18 years old. I didn't want to do either thing that I thought that I ended up doing, you know. But at the same time, I think we're asking the wrong questions. And so the one thing that I love about North Greenville, for example, is they're trying to build transformational leaders that when they leave the school, what are they going to do in the real world? Like in the secular workplace, if you're coming out with a business degree and you're a Christian, Okay, how can God use you there? I think that's the question that we have to ask not only ourselves, but we have to ask others. And so I, I go on, I go on tours. I take students up there and stuff like that. And and I've got to the point where I literally will look at them and I'll say, Hey, listen, I'm not going to sell you on North Greenville. That's not my job. My job is to ask you as we walk through this campus and we maybe go to the library or we go and you're looking at business. I had a young man with me the other day and he was looking at business and I said, Hey, look. I said, of course, I wouldn't want you at North Greenville. You know, you go to school with my son. and uh, But anyway, long story short, we basically went, and I said, the question I want you to ask yourself as you go through, because I know you're a believer, I said, is what is God calling you to do? Hmm. Like, in the end, if you came here as a freshman and you majored in business, how could you use that to be a leader for Christ wherever hmm. you are? As like, opposed to the question, what do you want to do? Instead of what do you what, what is it doesn't God, really matter what we want to do, exactly. it's what God has for us. Yeah. And so I think that's that's for anybody because basically what happens is is when you get there or anywhere, I said, So I'm telling you, you've got two or three schools looking at you. You need to go where God wants you. I was like, I would love to have you at North Greenville, but you need to pray about where God can use you now. Like you don't mm. have to wait till you get out of school. Mm. You need to you've got a you've got a month left of high school. 
So don't miss today. Like, I don't know if I've got tomorrow. You know, don't miss today. Like, do what he's got for you today and pray about what he's got for you for school and for what you're going to do. So when you come out, you're passionate about it and you know that it's a calling and it's not a job. Right. You're not just preparing them for one thing. What is your What is your degree? What are you going to go into? How are you going to be a leader in the Christian world? That's you know, answering two questions. And how can you be a leader now? And they do mm-hmm. a good job of getting people involved in leadership roles at the school and in the local church. 100%. So it's it's huge. Another thing I want to talk about with you was was the importance of the Royal, um, RAs, the Royal Ambassadors. Yep. And you, you know, talk a little bit about your time as a counselor there and then, and then you know, how you're involved with them still today. Absolutely. So uh, Royal Ambassadors, I, like I say, I, I was in it. If you don't know what Royal Ambassadors is, so some people might not have any idea what we're talking about. Right. Royal Ambassadors is a, a basically a uh, missions education. It's for first grade through fifth grade kids. It says through sixth, but most churches do through fifth if they have it. And we have found some really good churches that are doing Royal Ambassadors. I know that y'all have Royal Ambassadors here. Right. All right. And they went and raced with another group the other week, okay, and, and built cars and stuff. But but this is this is why I, it's not just because I came through Royal Ambassadors. It's because of what Royal Ambassadors is. Royal Ambassadors is teaching. It is a missions education for children, first through fifth grade, that not only are they learning what the gospel is because a lot of groups have got kids who maybe just come to Royal Ambassadors. They, they've got a, they don't know about Jesus. Like they've got to learn that. So it's, it, it's a place where a kid can come to Christ, but it's a kid where they can grow and know that God can use them like right that minute, like be involved with missions there at their church and all the way to the ends of the earth. And that's the beauty is, is our, our missionaries uh, at Southern Baptist, look, that's why I'm still Southern Baptist. Theologically, I line up with Southern Baptists, but the biggest thing is our missions is cooperative. And we work together, and we've got missionaries all over the world, and we've got missionaries right down the street and in our state in South Carolina, and we've got missionaries all over the United States and North America. And so that's what it teaches them. It teaches them, hey, look, you know what? Not everybody who goes into ministry has to be a preacher. Like you might be a church planner, or you might be somebody that goes and lives uh, in Brazil, I had a friend that went and lived in a dugout canoe in Peru for two years. I mean, I was like, you got to understand. And I'm like, just because you're from a little small place doesn't mean that God can't send you to the outermost parts of the earth. And that's what is so important about it is missions education. The reason that I feel that we are really missing a lot of people uh, feeling the call to go in missions is because they've never been educated on it. Hmm. And so, you know, I, I mean, first grade on. I went on my first mission trip in seventh grade. I went to Kentucky. I had to teach first grade. I was nervous. I still can remember being there. But that's what RAs does. Yeah. It it really gives you a sense of understanding. Yeah. And 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 also, you know, I imagine as a counselor, you saw yourself grow closer oh, to God. Hundred percent. Well. Talk about some stories, you know. Wow. So you know, it was kind of crazy because I, I was 18, you know, I graduated from, from Pickens High School and, and I went in and, and I really didn't know what I was doing. I mean, th- it, it, I grew more my first year at camp uh, because you basically, you're with the kids all the time, you're cleaning bathhouses, you're washing dishes, you're learning how to wash clothes, you're learning how to clean things. And I knew a lot of that before I got there, but I had no idea just the diversity of boys that come through the camp. And that's anywhere. Like in your church, not everybody's called to the same thing. So you've got at Camp McCall, for example, if you've got 200 boys there, they're all from different families, different places, and different situations. 
And so it was crazy because I realized after that first year, I was like, man, if I had it back to do again, what would I do different? You know, and looking at each young man individually. Uh, and it's crazy because, see, now you see some of them. And I haven't worked at camp since 2000. And I still have kids that are not kids. They've got kids. And they're coming up to camp. And they're like, hey, I, I had you my, your first year. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness. But then I, I got I got a, I got a young man that uh, he, he had the same name as I do, Brian. And so I'll, I'll never forget this. It was about my fourth year. And, uh, and so Brian had come from a church that my uncle has attended my whole life. And I remember him making a decision for full-time Christian ministry. And that was the one year that my roommate at camp had said, listen, let's have all the kids put their names on the bottom of the bunk bed if they make a decision when we talk to them after decision service. And so it was crazy. I, I was like, man, write your name up here, you know. And I remembered his name because his name was the same as me. And I remembered he was from my uncle's church. Well, he's a pastor now. Like, it's crazy because I saw him at the YMCA the other day. And, and, and he and I have talked. I was like, man, your name is still in cabin six. He's like, man, that's crazy. So he's been able to carry his kid up there. And so when you see that, or then you see a young man who maybe came from a really tough spot, mm. and all of a sudden they're a daddy. Hmm. Yeah. And, and a lot of it, you know, especially today, I would imagine having that chance, even if it's just once every summer, to go to camp especially if they don't have a fatherly influence at 100%. home to learn how to be a man yep. and learn those skills mm-hmm. is so important. A hundred percent. I mean, and, and that's the, and I think that's the thing. So, you know, a, a, a lot, and I, and I'll say this, it also, it's great to see dads go with their boys when they're younger, Oh yeah, you know, because sometimes that might be the most time they've got to spend with their kid because of work or whatever. Um, but to see those churches kind of bring them together and it would always be so cool because you you would have, you know, I mean, there were times I went to camp when I was by myself or I had one friend and that was it. But my daddy and my mom were going to make sure I was at camp. And uh, that kind of thing really, it just, throughout my whole life, that, those, are, those are times I can go back and I can say, God, man, you know, when I went on my first mission trip, for example, it was with five churches that went together. Like my dad didn't lead it. We didn't even have, that was our first mission trip as a church. And we went with five churches to Kentucky and, you know, I'm going to speak at my mom's church on Monday night. And so it's crazy because I would have never thought in a million years that I would be able to go to the outermost parts of the earth. So I went on my first international trip in 11th grade. My high school physics teacher took me to Poland (laughs) three years out of communism. And we worked on the first seminary in Poland when it come out of Baptist seminary there. So here's what's crazy. Here's how the world goes full swing. I'm in Lebanon on a short-term mission trip with the International Mission Board in 2018. I'm sitting there working with missionaries, our team from Three Rivers that had gone. We're sitting there. There were four churches, I think, or five churches represented. And we had gone to kind of encourage the missionaries that were there. Lebanon is a pretty closed country, <laughs> you know? And so we come together to do the thing. Well, I'm sitting at, at, at the table with, with this husband and wife who had just gotten over there and we're talking and everything. And we got to talking and he's like, well, where are you from, Brian? I said, from Powdersville, South Carolina. You never heard of it. He goes, actually, my college roommate is a teacher at Powdersville. Now, I'm in Lebanon. Okay. So he tells me that his, 
his high school, uh, I mean, his college roommate from Georgia University is a teacher. It was my son's history teacher. Hmm. So he sends home coffee. But as we're talking, I said, well, where are you from? He said, well, my dad actually worked in Poland. <laughs> I was like, really? So go to find out. His daddy was the president at the Polish uni- Polish seminary when it started. So I actually saw him when he was younger, and I was 16 at the time. So in Poland, and here we are in Lebanon. He heard about Powdersville, which nobody outside of South Carolina knows where Powdersville is. And most people in South Carolina don't know where Powdersville is. Right. So you see how God takes in there every single detail. He just puts right there in front of you. It's like, man, God. So we got to talk, and he's like, yeah, I would have been there when y'all were building it. I was like, well, do you remember the Russian name so-and-so named Kola? Yeah, I remember him. I don't know. That kind of thing just blows my mind. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I mean, he's young and in the Polish seminary, and then um, <laughs> and then you see him, I mean, yeah. in Lebanon. In Lebanon as a missionary. Right. As with the International Mission Board. That's crazy. With his wife. <laughs> Wow, that's awesome. So he moved back to the states at some point, or like no? Well, he 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 had he had gone to Georgia. He and his wife met somewhere like that, and then they they were on their first, you know, wow. mission. They they had just gotten to Lebanon to serve. Wow, <laughs> as a couple, that's a, that is that is crazy. Um, and so you know, one thing with RAs, I think a lot of a lot of churches maybe that don't know, mm-hmm. um, how can they you know get started doing RAs and how can a church maybe take a group to Camp McCall? How does all that work? Okay. So it's really cool. We have a girls camp and a boys camp in South Carolina. Camp McCall is a missions education camp. You can go to the Camp McCall website and you can register them. I will say the alpha camps are all full. Uh, Lad camps are filling up. So if you want to get those younger kids in there, you need to get online and get it done now. Uh, The week camps for those 4th through 12th graders, I would encourage anybody that has a grandson, I don't care if it's the neighbor, get them at camp. And whether they go to church or not go to church. Camp LaVita for our girls. We've got nine girls going to Camp LaVita, which is the girls' GA missionary camp in South Carolina. You can go online and uh, register for that as well. And uh, also with RAs, uh, several years ago, North American Mission Board gave it back to the WMU. And so uh, it's kind of crazy because I got to go down and actually be on one of the first little task forces down there at the WMU. And so I still do RA Day at North Greenville. Uh, Been amazing to have a couple of upstate guys who have helped put together some races and things like that uh, at some of the different churches. But if they're interested in doing it, they can give me a call. Uh, my number is 864-630-8052. I will be able to point them in the right direction, or they can call our South Carolina Baptist Convention. Talk to the WMU ladies there. Uh, they've got some really amazing ladies uh, that can help them know where to get the materials and things. You can get it at WMU on the actual website. Um, but for trainings and stuff, I don't mind helping do that. I can even do it over the phone. Right. And, oh, and also one thing I need to ask. So you, everyone at Camp McCall as a counselor has a nickname. Mm-hmm. Right, and your nickname. Talk about the background of that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I grew up at camp, uh, first through twelfth grade. The only year I worked there, my twelfth grade summer. The only year I missed was tenth grade, and that's because I was going on so many mission trips in the beach that I couldn't fit it in. So, in eleventh grade, when I went, I went twice. I went on trip camp, which would have been backpacking for the whole week, and I went as a CIT. Okay, it's crazy because Spinner, that runs camp now, was my trip camp counselor. I also had Spinner his first year on staff 
twice, two years in a row. So I knew Spinner when I worked with him for two years. And so basically, uh, the way I got the name Biscuit is uh, we on Staff Training Week, uh, we, it poured rain. We worked like Trojans. We were taking that we literally moved a building for the low ropes course all the way above chapel. That kind of thing. Putting screens into the cafe, the dining hall and all this different stuff. Well, we had beef stew up there at that point in time. And uh, we had yeast rolls. Biscuit like some of the most homemade, best tasting biscuits, yeast rolls you've ever had. Well, I ate about 17 because I was starving to death and I was a big boy. <laughs> Still kind of a big guy. And uh, supposedly that's how I got it. Now, there might be a backstory that I don't know to it. And we all have weird spellings. Mine is B-I-S-K-I-T. Hmm. But that's that's what I've been told. So I hope that's the right story. Right. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. Um, another thing I want to talk about, too, was at Marietta Now, mm-hmm. um, there's always been a big emphasis on, on missions as well. Mm-hmm. And everyone that's been on mission trips, you know, and you've been on many yourself, has that mission mission story. Mm-hmm. You you just shared one, but do you have like another story you could go off wow. to talk about with with missions? I I I could tell stories like on missions for hours, right? Um, because a lot of that with RAs is preparing people. It is for that. So it is preparing people for so that. Sing the fruit of that. And so you know, I being at Glenwood for all those years, like that's where I started putting mission trips together. Uh, we went for our first year to Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, we started going to new Orleans pre Katrina, like before Katrina hit and tore it completely up, continued to go after that. At Marietta, the one thing I told you, like the one thing that I was very passionate about was missions. Like that's, that's what, that was my, in my DNA. So as a youth minister, I really had to work because I was not, you know, I didn't go through youth ministry classes. Most of my 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 stuff had come from, you know what I, I I've been working with students for a long time. You know what I'm saying? But but going into missions, if I had to say that there was a weakness, I know this is going to sound crazy, but missions might have been my weakness because I was so focused on it. Sometimes I might have missed out on the discipleship part or the evangelism part. So with the missions as a whole, I have always thought, in many ways, that you. You, you you pray about where you're going to go. The people that go with you, you want to train them as much as you possibly can before you get there. And they have to know that it's flexible. Because if you expect to go on a trip and it to be perfect, it doesn't happen. But I can remember my seventh trip to Nicaragua. Uh, we had been going with Marietta. I had gone with Benny several times. And anyway, long story short, I had headed it up. It was a Christmas trip. We had booked our flights, got them, got them for a reasonable price. There was a good group of us from the church and, and the surrounding area that had gone. Well, when we got there, we realized that they had literally, there was no way in the world when we flew back into Houston that we were going to have time to get through customs and get on the next plane to get home. Now, this is Christmas time, so I wanted to be home, but I really wanted my team to be able to get home. Hmm. And I'm telling you, like, for an airline to change that many tickets in two days is almost unheard of. And I said, y'all, listen, here's the deal. They are giving us an hour to get through customs and get on the next plane. I was like, the door will close like 30 minutes you know, prior, 15 minutes prior to leaving. I'm like, there's no possible way that if we have these tickets that we're going to get back home tonight or tomorrow. And so we prayed about it, and one of the guys that was on the trip from 
like Michigan or somewhere. I don't even remember where he was from. He's like, hey, I know somebody that works for them. So he calls from Nicaragua. And by God's grace, they transferred us and gave us four hours to get to the next plane. Wow. And it took every bit of two and a half. And so just I could give thousands and thousands of stories of the way God literally just took every single detail and put it in place. But people were fine with it if we hadn't gotten back. I mean, it wasn't Christmas Day. Right. But, you know, I was ready to get back to my children. I was ready to get back to my wife, you know. And we had experienced a great week of ministry. But just there's times like that constantly where, you know, God just works it out. Yeah. And do you think you see that sometimes in missions? Because sometimes in the local church, we see God work. Maybe it's more of a long-term type of thing, mm-hmm. though, because um, sometimes church, it, it feels routine. Mm-hmm. And then when you go off and do something totally different, mm-hmm. do you see you feel like maybe that is for someone evidence, like the, to see God working there specific, in a specific situation? 100%. So at Marietta, I mean, we, 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 we have community, we have local, we have national, and we have international. And so we have had a long-standing relationship with New Orleans, with church planters there, and with a ministry down there called Jesus Project. And we go down and we do that, you know. And, and this summer, our, our uh, Chandler is going to be leading our team to go back there. But but here at home, like, we think it's that important. Like, it's important to have community, uh, you know, get outside the church walls, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. And, and be where the community is, whether that's the local school, whether it's release time. We're very involved with release time, whether it's Slater Elementary doing Boys of Virtue and Girls of Grace with our fourth and fifth graders, whether it's going out and, you know, uh, to, a, to a spot and maybe serving people a meal, taking that. Then you look at we, we have a partnership with a church called East Belmont in Belmont, South uh, Belmont, North Carolina. Uh, went to lunch with their pastor yesterday. Love Pastor Jeff. It's awesome. And, and, and God's revitalizing that church and seeing how our association's partnering with that. And our church has been able to do some of that. So that's kind of one that we're right there. Uh, Jumpstart ministry. We do some with prison ministry. Um, you know, those are a lot of our local, you know, more within an hour and a half. Do a lot with the association. Uh, New Orleans is a partnership we have, but, uh, we, uh, we have a couple of partnerships we're working with internationally right now. And so one of them is Kenya. So we, uh, we have, uh, Pastor Michael in Bogo and, uh, he's been to speak at Marietta several times. He's a North Greenville grad, uh, from, from master's level. Anyway, we teach, uh, from, there's like several of us that are teaching their, uh, their seminary class Hmm. and it's from 2 a.m. in the morning to 5 a.m. twice a month. So it's my month to teach. So my son graduates the next day, and I'll teach Revelation from uh, 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. Wow. But we've partnered with Kenya a couple of times. We're working with a partnership with Malawi right now uh, and, and doing some things with uh, it. And then I'm actually, Lord willing, uh, going to be going to Japan with the International Mission Board with South Carolina uh, on a vision trip uh, to Japan in September. Um, but there's so many things you know, that people can partner with. And I think that's the biggest thing is like understanding that, you know what, you might not think that your your part is huge, but for that missionary or for that church planner, it's huge. Yeah. It's that big. Like the one thing I would say about missions is I believe that it takes all size churches because, you know, people kind of cast out the one that runs 40. Yeah, but if they send two missionaries, <laughs> you know, that's huge because there's a lot of larger churches that don't send anybody. Hmm. And I, and I, 
growing up, going back to that pastor's kid thing, that's the thing that I've seen. Like, it takes all types of churches and all types of people of all different types of jobs hmm. that it's really about serving him and it's about the kingdom more than it's about anything else. Right, exactly right. Because it's, it, it's God's work ultimately at the end of it. So, Brian, really appreciate you coming on, man. This this has been awesome. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we close up? Uh, if, I, if anybody has any questions about any of those places, Camp McCall or North Greenville, I'd be more than glad to talk to them. And uh, I really appreciate what you guys are doing here. Uh, it's been exciting to be here. I've been excited about it all week long. Awesome. I've told several people, even the pickleball people downstairs, <laughs> that are playing right now in y'all's gym. Right. Uh, I just think it's an awesome thing, and I hope that God continues to bless what you guys are doing. Thank you, Brian. I really, I really appreciate that. We're hoping that God's being glorified through it, um, through through learning from these people, learning learning for people in ministry, and um, you know, thankful for that, Thomas. Um, I never give him enough credit. He's the one that does all the hard work behind the scenes. He's never, you don't see him, but he, but he, he is the one that does all the hard work. So it's a team effort. We're praying that God is glorified and, and we believe that definitely happened today. So, um, Brian, thank you so much. Really Absolutely. appreciate it. So I'm Wilson Paris and that's a good word.